It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 556 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week is another great doubleheader week here at the podcast. And everything kicks off with Mike Clark, who has a Zoop crowdfunding project underway that will conclude in early October. Rivals is described this way. In a savage post-apocalyptic world where the gun has been replaced with the sword, the bullet replaced by the fist... Two opposing characters from opposite worlds are forced to work together to save the people they love. We discuss how this comic came to be and what else Mike is up to. Then everything wraps up with the return of Jay Magnum from the great Astral series of original graphic novels. He's offering the latest chapters in Astral Vengeance at Kickstarter. It's described this way. Issues 1 and 2 of the cool revenge tale in the highly acclaimed Astral series is here. Also available, full Astro Thrillogy Saga, 333 pages. As usual, we also delve into the comics industry. Always a fun discussion with Jay. Both of them are part of fun conversations, so I'm sure you're going to enjoy what they have to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. It's great to welcome to the podcast Mike Clark from Rivals, The Loyalty of Sago Astar, which is on Zoop.gg, and it's going to conclude, and I always have to figure these things out, I'm not that good at math. Is it October 7? Oh, there it comes. Yeah, October 7, that's going to be the day. So how are you doing, Mike? I'm good, thank you very much. Good to talk with you. Um uh, it, the the book again is Rivals, and we want to make sure that people get a chance to to back it and make sure that it's done. Right now, you're on the cusp as we're talking of getting to your goal. The goal was five thousand dollars, and you're just about there. But you could use some more people helping out, so I think that would be great. People, as soon as you get done with this, be sure to go to Zoop.gg and look for Rivals: The Loyalty of Sago a Star. Select issue Thank number you. one. So how did the book come to be? Um, I know the writer is Paul Gerard, uh, and you're the artist. Uh, did you guys work together to create the character in the situation? Did he do that? How did this happen? Well, I, I'm the actual writer, um, and Paul oh, is... Oh. Yes, and Paul is the concept artist. Um, oh, he's a concept okay. artist I thought on it was the other films. Yeah, See, it's the way around. <laughs> it confuses me because what people do is they'll often have now they're starting to put the artist first. It used to be always writer artist, but now it's sometimes it, it's uh, it, I just made an assumption looking at it. So 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 you're the writer of this. Game I'm thing. the writer, yes. Creator, um, co-creator with Paul. Um, so I come from a movie background, and so does Paul. Um, 
I, I'm a writer, director, and Paul is a concept artist. He, he's done many films before. Uh, he's got quite a few big ones coming out. Re- um, I think it's in the next year. He's got Dungeons and Dragons. He's got Indiana Jones 5. He's got Evil Dead Rises. Um, they're all films that he worked on. Uh, so me and Paul have worked on a few things together. We've, we've built like a, a kind of partnership uh, where we'll do different things together. Uh, we've just had a horror movie uh, released um, on many streaming sites in the States last week called The Stranger. Okay. Um, and we've we've got some other things in the in the in the pipeline as well. But Rivals is uh, something that's been in the making for a, about four years now. Uh, Paul came to me and said, "I've got an idea," because we're both big fans of of not only comics but you know eighties martial arts movies, sword and slash movies, post apocalyptic movies, things like that. Wow. And, he came up to me and he said, I've got an idea. I want to call it Rivals. And he gave me um, a basic idea about these different factions, these different cities on this planet. And uh, and obviously they're all um, against one another, uh, all trying to rule the planet. And so I had to take that um, seedling and then, uh, you know, help it grow and build it into okay. uh, the behemoth that it is right now. Okay. Um, Let me read the description on Zoop.gg. It says, In a savage post-apocalyptic world where the gun has been replaced with the sword, the bullet replaced by the fist, two opposing characters from opposite worlds are forced to work together to save the people they love. If you're a fan of Mad Max, Conan the Barbarian, Fist of the North Star, Berserk Dune, Heavy Metal in 2080 Rivals is your new comic book addiction. It's post-apocalyptic movies meets Hong Kong action cinema. That's That's great. How long have you guys been working on this? Uh, I'd say uh, for the comic itself, I'd say about two years. For building the world, the story, the universe, I'd say about four and a half. Okay. Now, one other thing we should mention in there, too, is this in here now in early development as a live-action TV show. Wow, boy. That, of course, that's, many comic creators would love nothing better than to have their, their creation turn into a TV show. Is there anything you can say about that at this point, or is this something that uh, we have to it's, wait in here? It's early days. I can say that it's been optioned by an L.A. production company called Druid Pictures. Um, I know they're hard at work getting ev- everything together right now. Um, the, you know, I wrote the pilot script. Um, that's been passed on to a few uh, big names to uh, to see if they're interested. But that, that's about as much as I know right now, as well as certain locations that they're looking at. But that's about it at the moment. No. From what I understand is that what you guys did is you based the artwork on the actor that they've selected for this character, right? They didn't select it. It's we, Me and Paul were both fans of, um, like we said, action movies in the 80s and 90s. Um, and uh, Gary Daniels, the actor who is, is known for many of those films from those days, you know, we did Fist of the North Star, I did... Um, a few Jackie Chan movies, uh, I think it was City Hunter and things like that. Um, he, uh, Paul approached him and just said, you know, when we, when I pictured uh, Sargo Astar, one of the main characters in in the story, 
I always pictured pictured you as as playing him. Um, and then they got talking, and and Paul said, "Listen, you know, we're doing a comic. Could we base a likeness on you?" And and obviously, Gary is more than happy to uh, allow us to do that. So yeah, we've uh, we've put Gary into the comic. How about that? That's pretty cool. Is there any chance he could play the character in the film? Um, uh, yes, in, in the TV series, and and there might be an animated series as well coming. Um, but yes, we are we are pushing for that. Yeah, he could be the voice if it's the animated series. That'd be great. He could well be. Yeah, that would be good. Okay, so wow, wow, you're you're going places. Many comic creators would love to go. So congratulations on that. That's wonderful. Thank you. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about, if we can, go a little depth into who Sago Astar is. Uh, I understand he's sort of a Conan-like character, but how would you describe him uh, besides that? Well, one of the main cities in um, on the planet Altar is Jarn City. Uh, it, it's, it's probably the the good side of that world where all the protagonists live. Um, and it's ruled by each, each city is ruled by, or each district is ruled by uh, a leader um, called a sword. So the leader of John city is sword Dawn Hath. Um, and Sargo Astar was, uh, he, he ran the city guards. He was in charge. He was like the general of the city guards and has since retired now he spends his time um, training, training Sword Dawn Hath's two children, uh, Torbo Hath and um, Roshan, in how to how to fight, how to use weapons, how to use the hands and things like that. He's fiercely loyal. Um, he's uh, competitive, and he's the best warrior that John City has ever produced. And when things go uh, Shall I say tits up in in John City during the, during the series, the first arc of the comic. Um, Dawn Sword Dawn Hath has to call upon him again for his services. Okay, there's another paragraph on the Zoop.gg page that says two warriors, an elite royal guard named Sagawastar Gary Daniels, and a low-level street thief called Bison. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, Bison. Okay, must fight for survival across dusty wastelands, shanty towns and towns and armored citadels. The seven regions of Planet Altar are desolate, brutal, and inhabited by weapon-fused warriors, maniacal cult leaders, and mind-altering creatures. Some clans will become extinct, whilst others, victorious in a never-ending battle for supremacy. Pick your side. It says so. It, it, this sounds almost like it's going to be a game, too. Is this going to be a game? We have we have talked about it. <laughs> yes. Oh wow! Okay, because you know, pick your side stuff always makes me think of a game because you got to choose: are you going to be on this side or that side? And shades yeah, of gray are more involved in that. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because what we wanted to explore as well is, you know, the other clan's point of view. You know, they think they're in the right as well, and we've got to see where they're coming from and relate to it in, in a certain way. Um, much like, you know, Thanos in in the Avengers films, you know, he's doing something because he believes what he's doing is right. And, you know, some people can get on side of that and some people can't, but 
that's what we're trying to do with this with the factions okay all right sounds good and uh, uh, it's just interesting that he's a royal guard, but the other guy is a low-level street thief. You have a girl. How did they? How did they bump into each other? I mean, I, I guess that's part of the story. But uh, how do the two of them actually start to work together? Well, Bison um, is actually arrested, uh, and she's put uh, put to death in John City. Uh, she was basically falsely uh, accused of a crime. And she is highly trained herself. Now, when Sargo has to go on a mission and leave John City, he asks if he can take someone else, but he can't take anybody else from the guards because uh, they're not to know about this mission. So he has to break out Bison in an attempt to help him complete his mission. But not make anybody else aware of what's going on. So only only Sword Dawn Hath is uh, is aware of what's happening. Well, so Bison is a female. That's interesting. I always like when they have those kinds of pairings and stuff like that. Because that, that was, what are her skills? Just kind of curious. She's a street thief, which means she's good at, I guess, taking things. <laughs> so That's what else... Nice. What other skills does she have? Well, obviously, like we said, she's a thief, so she's she's good at um, manipulation, hiding in the shadows, things like that. But she's also highly trained as a fighter as well. And, um, you know, the mission that Sargo has to go on is extremely dangerous, so he needs someone who has his back. So the he comes, you know, he makes a deal with if I break you out of this jail, you have to help me and put your skills to test. And she agrees to it, so he does it. Okay, so this is issue number one. Do you know how many issues you're planning to have in the series? Well, I was basing. Um, I wrote the TV series first, and then adapted it for the comic. So I've gone a little bit different than what I normally would do. Um, and the first issue is probably about a third of the pilot episode. And so, you know, there's eight eight episodes to the TV series. So we're probably looking around about the about the the twenty five mark. Okay, okay, that'd be good. Now, did you do the covers? Because there are several covers. It's him like looking at us, kind of ready to fight, and there's another one where he's holding a sword. Yeah, and- there's there's three different covers. Um, I believe the main cover is by uh, Greg Staples, who's ah. a very famous comic artist. Cool. What about the other two? Yeah, we've got we've got the other two as well by by um, some fantastic artists. Um, so I haven't got the names in front of me. Um, but yeah, they're, they're incredible. All, the, the whole of the work that they've done, everyone's done um, inside. We've got two different artists. Do We've got two different stories. We've got a, a backup story as well at the book. So each issue is going to have a Tales of the Seven Cities story, a standalone story that's you know a one and done in each issue, as well as the ongoing arc at the, at the front. So no, we've got a different the- team doing them as well. Oh, cool. Okay, so now one of the things that the Zoop.gg page says, it's a 32-page comic, number one is. Are they all going to be 32 pages or just the first one? No, that's what we're aiming for, yeah. All of them, 32. 
Cool, cool. Now, now the th- one of the things I really love that you get into, and obviously is world building. Um, I, I really get kind of sick of everything being based in New York City, where <laughs> you know, everything goes on there. My, my brother used to say that they would, they have to rebuild New York City five times over by the time all the all the destruction that goes on there goes on. But it's, it's nice when I, when I come across a new world, I'm kind of excited because that's so much fun. To see. So it's, how did you, you can but, just use your imagination? Yeah. Uh, but how did you guys do it? I mean, did you did you do it together a lot of the time? Did you have certain ideas you want to do? How did you build the world? Well, yeah, it's it, uh, like I said when Paul came to me, he already had the ideas of the different factions. Okay, the the seven um, races, shall we say, on planet Alta, and then we just had to think you know well where would they live you know how would they live how would they cope now with with no technology because what we've done we've built a world that was far more advanced than ours but has been put back thousands of years so now it's less than ours um due to the introduction of what we call ghost storms they just they appeared you know 150 years ago um these storms and they just destroy all technology and they'd also bring um, disease as well. Now they've got past the the hurdle, which is the disease. They found cures for that, but they haven't got past the hurdles of rebuilding the whole world because whenever they seem to make advances and bring the technology back, the ghost storms return and destroy it all. So that's what we wanted to have. So so we've got that post-apocalyptic style, but yeah, we just spent a lot of time just crafting each each place, each city, each village. What would be there? What creatures are living there in the wastelands? You know, we've got we've got an underground city called Wickness, um, which is yeah, it's built underground and it's 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 more like where the it's like a, a massive dive where all the uh, people who've been chucked out of their own cities all gather to just drink you know it's full of debauchery and everything in there and that's in the middle of the wastelands but yeah all the different different cities we just spent a lot long long time just planning good good. i'm sure that's going to show because it just looks something special now uh, one of the things i'm interested in is it looks like you can get when you always get two books at at the minimum but you can get three um, there's Rivals number one, there's a 16-page prequel one-shot called The Duel, and then there's The Art of Rivals. Yep. So talk about all three of those, because that, that, you know, most people are happy to get one comic. This way you get three things. And talk about how, why you did that the way you did. Well, when we were first planning um, Rivals, we had the ongoing series, which is what we've been talking about, the loyalty of Sargo Astar. And then we also had a um, a, a graphic novel uh, already wrote as well um, called Blood Brothers, or Brothers in Arms, it's now called. Um, and now we also decided to do a one-shot comic just to introduce um, some of the characters. So we've got Sargo in there as... as as a, a young soldier before he, he he's made it to the uh, you know the head city guard, uh, we've got Sword Dawn Half who who is who is like a warrior leader at that time, um, and we've got his arch nemesis which is Sword Mabio, the leader of the Iron Head Clan. So we 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 did a one shot with showing introducing them and that, 
and we're um, we're giving away copies of it for people who missed out last year um so they can have have that as well and then we've got the art of the rivals as well which shows all the planning that paul did um and um our main artist as well uh all the concept art how how the characters you know started and how we built upon them to get to a a place where we were both happy with um and also you know the creatures and the world itself the john city is 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 magnificent um when you see it or it's um a walled off city with um inner slums and then it's got you know the citadel where uh dawn half lives and surrounding areas is where all the you know the more well-off inhabitants live as well um it's it's a character in itself and you can see all that with art of the rivals Cool. Now, you've got some add-ons that I particularly enjoy as well. And, and unfortunately, I can't afford it at this time, but there's a, uh, for $300 in American money, you can be a rival background character. Yep. How much is that in British money? Um, $300 is probably about, it's probably about two, 200 I think it is. Okay. And have your likeness used as a character in part two. You'll also receive a print of the pages, page of pages you appear in. Now that's $300, but you can even go beyond that. There's a $2,500 level. You can be a rival reoccurring character. Have yep. your likeness used as a character in, in, in part two and beyond. You'll also receive a print of the page or pages you appear in. So, uh, you've got one of those has already been claimed as we're talking. There's, you only are allowing two, but one of them has already been taken. So that's going to be fun to do. I, I always tell people I I always wanted to be in a comic, and I finally found one that I could afford. It was a, a zombie Moby Dick book. <laughs> and I ended up being one of the crew on the ship, well, which was kind of it was fun to, to, to be in there. I didn't recognize me because I didn't have my glasses on, <laughs> but I had to ask the guy, where, where am I? I don't see me. And then he pointed out that there's see that ship. There's a group. You're right there. Oh, there I am. I didn't recognize myself without the glasses. So I was, but that, that is, it, it is the coolest thing in the world to have your own image in a comic. And I hope a lot more people see you've got, only have at this time one left of the reoccurring character, but there are five slots open for the background character. So I hope yeah. people do that because let me tell you that that is great fun. It, it, every comic person wants to be in there, so that's great. Well, it, one of the reoccurring characters is obviously a main character as well. So to be, you know, your likeness used as one of the main characters, I think would be a uh, fantastic. I love that. I just think that's so smooth. When I saw myself in there, I went, oh, yes. Oh, yes. I love that. <laughs> so I, I still keep that around just in case somebody ever wants to see me in a comic. So it's just great stuff. So is that, that this is in part two now. So does that mean that part one is complete? Part one is, is done. Yeah, it's ready to go. So wow. um, part two, um, the, uh, the script has been done. Um, and the artist is just waiting. So we're just once we've got this out of the way, this one, we'll go straight to work on number two. 
Wow, wow, it's so smooth. I love it when somebody works ahead because, you know, there's so many times that I've backed the project and I, I never see it, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, that's awful. If, you know, we, especially, you know, if they don't hit the targets or even some sometimes I've heard, of, you know, people hitting the targets but then not carrying on. But, yeah, I, I was just done. We, we aim to complete the whole series. Really cool because the one that I did – the, the the person who was doing it uh, ran out of money for personal stuff, and they ended up using that money to pay for their personal stuff. Oh, so I never saw that. Uh, but uh, you know what? I know real life gets in the way of comics sometimes. Yeah. But uh, I, I just sort of I keep my eye out, and I said, if I see that name somewhere, I'm going to go. No, not this time. No. But that's cool that you guys are doing that, and it's great. So, how far are you in? in, in are there pages done on number two? Um, the pencils aren't done yet. The script is done. Okay, so he's he's going to be working on that, I imagine. Yes, yeah. All those I mean, good things. That he's probably got other projects as well that he's doing. They are, yeah. They're all, you know, we use, oh, the whole plan was to use some of the best up-and-coming, you know, comic book artists, pencilers, inkers, letterers, uh, you know, in the business and, and give them an opportunity to shine. And, and we've achieved that. So um, I know that the, the working on other things, you know, we're working on other things as well. And, and some of them are on them projects, but as soon as this is done, come, come 7th of October, to be back onto this to issue two. So. Okay. Very good. So the, I'm just kind of curious as to how do you pick the artists then? Are these people you know? Do you go looking through them? So, like social media, how do you find them? Um, that was mostly Paul's side. I know um, we had a lot of people get in touch, send pages, and we were impressed with everyone. You know, it was we had to choose um, which style suits whatever project we're on at the time, and we had to um, pick what we we chose: Richard Torres. Um, um, for the main story and Jay for the uh, for the you know the one shot stories at the end the B stories um, mainly because not only they're very very talented but the work suited the story that we were trying to tell cool because are they also uh, on the, in the UK area or are no, they some of the Americans it's we've got Americans we, we've Brazilians, um, although it's 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 an international comic, shall we say? Very cool, very cool. So, uh, of course, we want people to get in there and back this right there. Are, is this book going to be available, um, you know, through comic shops as well in the future, or is that going to be largely only through Zoop? At the moment, it's through Zoop, but it, it, you know, we are looking at doing something like that in the future or maybe you know what a couple of graphic novels um with them all in but um right now this is the only way to get your hands on a copy okay very good uh like we said this is going to conclude on october 7th so you want to you don't want to wait you want to be able to get out there and and Go to Rivals the Loyalty of Sago Ostar, Deluxe Issue Number One. So be sure to get that. Um, you mentioned that there are other projects that you're working on too. Did you, is there some things you can talk about? Um, there is a 
big one that we I can't really say what it is at the moment, um, but we've we've been um, employed, shall we say, to uh, create a, a huge series based on 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 a big IP. Um, I've wrote the first three issues of that, and we are working on the first issue now. The first pages are just coming through this week. Um, I think I think the first three pages. Um, I can't say what it is yet until until we get the go ahead. Uh, but I'm sure there's going to be press releases sent out in regards to that. Cool. I did want to mention too. I see some of the art pages on the Zoop.gg page, which is really really great. I really like the looks of them. It, it's very <laughs> uh, dynamic, shall we say. Lots of amazing things going on, so it's really well done. Really like that. Did Thank Paul you. draw those pages? No, that was Richard Torres. Um, so Paul Paul designed the world according to not only what I wrote, but what was in his head as well. So Paul designs everything, sends it over to the artist. The character needs to look like this. They need to be wearing this. This is what this vehicle needs to look like. This he's he's very on point with everything. So he acts like a kind of a, a producer role, you know, as if it was like a film. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that that's that's what he's doing on this. But yeah, Richard Torres is the artist, and he you know he's done a fantastic, a fantastic job for the A story, and and, and Jay for the B story is is just as good, but different. Wow, but that, I, no. that was the main thing. We wanted to make sure that the. Not only is it an, a fantastic story, but the artwork has to be some of the best you can find as well. It really is stunning. It's really good stuff. Um, I, I do have to ask a question, though. When In the description, it says that the gun has been replaced with the sword. And yep. yet, when I look in that very first page, there's a guy with a beard, and yep. he's got a gun. Yep. Um, that's... that's- that's before it. It tells you this is when the ghost storms came. Okay. So it shows it shows the the you know how the technology died. So the very first page is is like uh, an introduction to the world, an introduction to why this world was set back. Okay, so interesting. That'll be fun to see. Oh, I I love stuff like that. I, I love um, post apocalyptic stories and stuff because basically you come up with a clean slate as to how things are going to function. So I love that. See, world building to me, I just admire the heck out of it. And I, I still, as I look at it, I go, gosh, I can't wait to see what this world's going to be about. It's going to be great fun. It looks like so great. Thank you. So it's just, just wonderful stuff. So, okay, so uh, you, were, you were saying there's some stuff you're working on that you can't really talk about. Um, can you, just for people, especially because a lot of my audience is in the States, uh, what, what comics have you worked on in the past? We've been uh, mostly doing um, comics for film and TV, where they're using a comic to push to you know studios or um, stations to try and get uh, something greenlit. So we've worked on, um, say, a TV show uh, called, or, or you know, a potential TV show called uh, Ascension, which is. Um, it's it's set on Earth and there's uh, a bit, a bit Walking Deadish is that there's something's happened and people are dropping dead, 
um, everywhere and there's only a sporadic number of people still alive somehow and so we've done it we did an issue for that um we did one for a film for someone who's, who's trying to get a film we took it to Cannes this year to um to try and get that greenlit we've we've done one for the video game that's uh, well two video games in fact one called planet eaters which is an um an online game and a another one as well um called uh, gathering storm which is a, a fantasy uh video game as well that's incoming so they've been using that to promote um the game so we've been doing bits and bobs like that uh but you know we decided that you know we want to tell our own stories and and rivals is our flagship so we'll push that very cool very cool it's it it looks terrific i have to say it really does uh sparkle and you've got there's a video too on the on the website as well. So there's all kinds of ways to get involved in this uh, brand new world. Uh, is, is Final Impact Comics, is that you guys' company? Yes, that's mine and Paul's, yeah. Wow, okay. So uh, is this the first thing from that company? Um, it, all the other comics that we have did for other clients come under Final Impact, but this is this is the comic, the first one that is going to be readily available for everyone other than the one shot that we did um, for rivals. But this is the, the first, the first ongoing series from, from the company. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. That's it. It's all looks so terrific. I, I do have to say, I, I love the variety of the swords. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great big one that on one of the covers he's holding and he's got his hand on looked like the sharp part of it. And it's all bloody. But then you look in the other one, somebody's holding this one. It looks like it's a, a blade with, like, smaller blades on the outside of that one sword. Yeah, a bit it's, like a chainsaw. chainsaw yeah, that's what, that's what I was thinking. It's just it's amazing stuff. And then there's regular-type swords uh, in there, too. Um, who designed the swords, I have to ask? Is that, was that uh, Paul? or it's did you Paul, have yeah. Paul, Paul designs all the weapons, all the clothing, the look. Of of every character, the look of every city. He's a very very talented man. Now I've got to ask. Of course, you you based out the main character on a live person. Yeah. Uh, are other characters based on real people as well, or are they his creations? Um, they're, they're just the original creations, but we've left some in the hope that you know someone will take that and claim claim it so they can be a reoccurring character. We've left some without a design yet. So we can take the you know, the face, the the body shape. Okay, now go. I'm gonna quote something you said in here because I think it's really good. It says our aim was to create a thrilling story set on a dangerous world and to work with some of the best up and coming talent in the comic book world. I feel we've certainly achieved that. As fans of comics, martial arts, fantasy, and classics, 80s, sword, and slash movies, we couldn't be more excited to share rivals with like-minded readers. That's it. That's my question. It's a really great I, I, I'm still, I can't get past the world building. I just think it's so, I love new worlds to go and explore. And so this is going to be something I'm going to really look forward to. It's Thank going you. to be terrific stuff. So, um, do you know as far as like uh, what things that Paul has worked on? You guys have worked together largely. Is that what, what I hear you saying? Yeah, we we've worked on a few things. Um, we've like I said, we just had a, a movie just come out in America in the states last week. Um, 
which you can find on on Amazon and Voodoo and things like that, Direct TV. Um, but we're working on other stuff as well. So we've been working together for about ten years now, um, wow. doing all all different stuff in, in films and, and and comics and TV and um, and you know we're working on not just more the more comics, but we're working on our next our next film as well. So I'm I'm hard at work writing that as well at the same time. So I'm juggling at the moment. Wow. So how did you guys uh, come across each other? Because you know, I, I often uh, we have people listening to this podcast who are like always looking for a partner to work with. How did you come across uh, uh, your your uh, compatriot there? How did you do that? Um, yeah, so it's it's a strange one. So I'm in the northwest of England, just outside of Liverpool, um, in a, a small town called St Helens, uh, and Paul. Even though he lives on the other side in the northeast of England now, he's actually from the next town to mine, Widnes. Um, so we grew up very close to each other, but I think there's like four years in between us. Paul's Paul's the elder. Um, I just made in about 2012. I'd made a short film um, called A Hand to Play with Doug Bradley. Now Doug Bradley famously played Pinhead in Hellraiser, mm-hmm. all the Hellraiser films. So I made a short film um, with him, and Paul had just made a short um, pitch trailer for Hellraiser Origins. He want he wanted to make um, he, he was a fan of Hellraiser. He wanted to make uh, a new Hellraiser film, but stripping it bare, bringing it back, and 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 showing uh, Hell um, like from his mind, a different version of Hell. Um, and someone who was on, who worked as an extra on Paul's uh, concept trailer, got in touch with me to see if there was, you know, if there's any work. He, he was a, you know, he's a, an actor. He wanted to see if there's anything going. If I've got anything for him in the future, and um, I said, I'll obviously I'll bear him in mind. And he said, Well, I've just, I've just been an extra in this Hellraiser Origins. Um, can I put you in touch with him? Um, so I said, yeah, by all means. And so we just started talking and then we just hit it off and then we became really, really close and we've worked with each other ever since. So he brings, you know, I, I always say he's of of the team. He's the eye or the eyes. He, he's great at design and how things look and um, using his imagination in that way. And, and he always says, I'm the brains. I come up with the stories <laughs> and, 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 and everything else like that. So we, and obviously I've got um, directing experience. Now Paul has as well now, cause he co-directed this film with me, um, the stranger, but um, that's how we, how we work. We wanted to build, tell stories. You know, I, I come up with the stories and the dialogue and things like that. And Paul comes up with the image imagery. Well, that, that's a great pairing because uh, that's the ideal way to make comics or movies is to have somebody come up with basically the story and the other person make it look really, you know, uh, terrific. So it sounds mm-hmm. like that's a great way to do things. It, it's, a, it's a perfect working relationship. We've never fell out about anything. If there's, if we don't agree with one another on something, we just tell each other straight and then we move on. <laughs> so it's, cool. uh, it's well, great. I wish more people could do that because uh, – See, you guys are lucky in the sense that you guys can actually get in the same room. Because these days, uh, a lot of comics, the writer lives in America and the artist lives in the UK. 
That's it. And yep. they've never actually seen each other or, or been in the same room together. But that's kind of cool that you guys are doing that together. Absolutely. And so we've got each other on speed dial as well. We speak to each other all the time. So the, the, my missus probably thinks that I'm having an affair or something, but it's it's always, it's always Paul on the other end of the phone. Mm-hmm. Cool. Very cool. So um, as far as like people want to follow your work and stuff on, on, and keep up with you on social media, how do they do that? Yeah, they can um, they can add me on Facebook on Mike Clark, but uh, Instagram um, and Twitter, I think it's Mike Clark Film. Um yeah, they can follow just, me there. I always put bits and bobs up. Just so people know, the way that you have an E on the end of your name, right? I do, yes. Yeah, yeah. We want to make sure people, cause if they misspell it, they might not find you. Yeah. They might find somebody else. So those are good things to do. And so, well, I have to say, it really looks exciting. Again, it's Rivals, the Loyalty of Sago Astar, and the Deluxe Issue Number One. It's on zoop.gg, which is one of my favorites of the. Of the uh, uh, crowdfunding sites these days and it's going to conclude october 7 now i'm never sure what time on uh, on those days so you don't want to wait you want to get in there and support it now so that you don't miss it because it's it's going to be something really special like it really looks terrific absolutely so and you don't have to wait for shipping as well because it's coming straight from from the states as well so it's not coming from the ah UK. okay Great, great. So it'll be, it'll be good. So it's really terrific stuff, and I highly recommend it. And it, it's going to be something special to see. Uh, I hope people really take advantage of getting themselves added to the story. I, I, I'm still thrilled about the one that I got done. So I, I can say it's, it's a very special thing for people. So, Mike, you're doing wonderful stuff. I can't wait to see this come out. And keep up the wonderful stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne as a man from flesh and blood I can be ignored I can be destroyed but as a symbol get the latest from the comics universe news interviews previews and reviews listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics always fun to talk with Jay Magnum, who is behind the Pet Piranha Entertainment Company and the Astroverse, as, as it's coming to be called, and got some a good Kickstarter going on. Jay, how are you? Hey, Wayne, I'm great. It's uh, it's great to be here again with your you and your listeners. And gosh, I, I how many shows have we done now? Podcasts, at least three that I can think of. Right? I, think, so. I think so. So we're we're getting to be old hands at this. It's always a pleasure to to come on. Thank you for having me. Well, we should be getting good at it by now. So that <laughs> I think so. <laughs> this is actually going to be like an episode of if I've got it right, five fifty six. Yeah, exactly. So it's like you remember Johnny Carson, and he would always have his frequent guests that he would rotate in, like Bette Midler. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm hearing, I'm thinking, have I been on enough times now to be your <laughs> Bette Midler? <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's Probably. one. There's a guy I talked to who runs a shop, and he's he's good at both sides of the table. And I kind of keep him in reserve in case. Let's just say I can't find anybody to talk with for a week. I usually contact him. 
and he he's so good at both sides. I can ask him questions about the business as well as the reading. And so I usually keep him in reserve. I, you're in there too, though. You're in the mix. So I, guess I need somebody. I I'm in that. Wayne's pocket. You got me in your pocket. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Let's get to Astro Vengeance. Let me read from the Kickstarter. Uh, people always get mad at me because I don't say this soon enough. But it's going <laughs> to project will be funded if it reaches its goal by Friday, October 14th, 11 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. So that's good to everybody to know because don't wait that long. The important thing to do is to get in and get your uh, uh, pledge in there so this can happen and we get much more astral because we need lots of that. All right, let me read the description as it is on the Kickstarter page. It says, the story from the edges of heaven to the depths of hell, an old fiend from beyond the grave commanding an army of demonic undead swears vengeance against Lila and the astrals. But with the scheming architects plotting revenge of their own, can Lila and her remaining human allies stop the horrific beats from devouring Earth, or will their plague of evil infect the entire galaxy? So this is the second issue of the fourth volume, right? Correct. Yes, it is. I can't believe we're on the fourth one already. Wow. It's like it was yesterday and I was working on the first one. You know, it's just yeah. time has gone by so fast. It's such a gripping story. I do have to say, great fun to read. Lots of action, uh, good amount of character development and stuff going on. Well, thank and you. And dear old Lila, she is growing and really getting to be fun as a character. Uh, why don't you, be, in case somebody hasn't heard uh, you, our talks before, describe what an astral is. Oh, gosh. Okay. So we kind of have to go into the mythology of it for that. So uh, i got to rewind kind of to the beginning. So back in Genesis, which is the first one uh, that we did, uh, the first graphic novel is uh, titled Astral Genesis. And uh, we have Earth being attacked by these malevolent alien beings. And what we find out throughout the story is that uh, they are essentially uh, – indigenous races from other planets that have all been hybridized. So uh, hybridized uh, by these uh, uh, upper echelon uh, architects uh, who are also astrals, but sort of operate in and out of this thing that we call the astral plane. Uh, but these uh, indigenous species uh, of all these other planets in the galaxy have been hybridized uh, to be their servants and, and to uh, to enact their will, right? So you have this sort of controlling class of astrals called the architects, and then you have the corporeal astrals that are the uh, indigenous uh, races and beings from these other planets that have been hybridized and brought into their service. So uh, when Earth is attacked, it's attacked by uh, this class of astral that we call the astral wraiths. So they kind of look like uh, monsters or demons or whatever, uh, and that's kind of where it comes from. So Lila is sort of the, the human version of, of an astral. So she's a, she's a human astral hybrid. And so uh, once again, this is the process of these architects uh, that are uh, intending to uh, essentially control or hybridize the human race to uh, bring it in under their service, right? So it, it kind of works out the way the story goes without giving too much away from, you know, the, uh, the first story in the series, uh, that she ends up being the only one through a series of mishaps. And again, through the same series of mishaps, uh, normally she would have been, um, 
I don't know how you say, put under their spell or controlled by them, but like mm-hmm. her programming that would have made her uh, made her come under their control uh, never got done through a series of accidents. So she finds herself, you know, a hybridized human uh, that that's sort of half alien, half human. Uh, but she has no alliances. So like the first book, Astral Genesis, is about Lila sort of discovering who she is and who will she ally with, you know, the, the evil astrals or, you know, the humans. And since we're already on the fourth book, I think it's pretty evident where that <laughs> went, right? I mean, if if she decided to, to side with the aliens, I don't think we'd be having yeah, this we, conversation. Right? We probably only have one volume at most. <laughs> yeah. So she's a really interesting character in, in that respect. Uh, but yeah, so uh, the, the astrals, that's why it becomes a little complicated to, to talk about what they are, because uh, as many uh, races, uh, alien races, as we think there might be on uh, other planets in the galaxy, uh, potentially uh, any indigenous race on any other alien planet potentially you know, could be astralized or made into a hybrid to serve uh, the astral cause and and the architects. And part of the lore that we learn uh, along the way is that uh, the architects, one of the reasons why they're called the architects is because they're implementing something called what what they term as the grand design, which is uh, their plan to to do something or to build something. Uh, But we haven't yet revealed in the series what that grand design is. Ooh, okay, so um, the first three volumes, the first one was Astral Genesis, like you said. The second one was called Astral Evolution. Right. And the third one is Astral Alliance. And don't feel put upon if you haven't gotten those yet. Those are available all through the same Kickstarter. You can get those good things. Yeah, it's called the, the pledge level or the reward level you want to look for there is the complete Astral Saga. So we call the first three graphic novels, and they are collected editions. Uh, Genesis, Evolution, and Alliance all together, it's called the Astral Trilogy, right? So that's 333 pages of, of content and mm-hmm. uh, 400 pages total. And then we're adding the first two comic books in the series, uh, Vengeance, to that. So that's the, the most complete um, – uh, story that you can get, you know, so if it's like the story so far, that's your complete package. So it's would be three graphic novels or three trades, hardcover, softcover, or variant cover, and then, uh, you know, the first and second uh, comic books in the uh, Vengeance series. Those trades are page turners, I have to say. I just, I, 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 I get to the end of it and I go, where's the rest of it? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, because it's, it's good so good. <laughs> it's so much fun to read. It's I I think I first came across you in uh, Longwood, Florida, I think it was. They had, uh, the store up there had a an indie comics uh, convention on a Saturday. Yes, they did. And mm-hmm. I was up there. And you were there. And that's where I first got the first one. Oh. And when I sat down and read it, I said, oh, my gosh, i got to get the other one. So I've tried to keep up with them. I think I ordered the, the, the hardcovers is what I think I'm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I remember you getting the hardcovers. And the hardcovers are really nice. Uh, yeah. Oh, they have yeah. a nice feel in hand, and they, they have that uh, sort of that deluxe kind of look to them. Uh, th- those are the kind I prefer, quite honestly. But uh, Yeah, I, I love hardcovers. If I enjoy the story and I want to keep it, I get the hardcovers. If I want to just read it and have a copy around to pull out every once in a while, I get the trades. If I if if I enjoyed the story well enough and I've got the individual issues, that's fine. But I it says something. In fact, that this week I just picked up the Dark Knights of Steel. I think from DC, uh, wow. Tom Taylor, who I really like, wrote that one. But it's, it's DC characters back in the middle 
Middle Ages and stuff like that. Oh, how fun. But I like that. And so I bought the hardcover, the first, the, the, they already are calling it the first hardcover. So it's going to be oh, yeah. <laughs> So get ready for you know more. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. So yours, I, I, I am so grateful to have because I think that does, as we've talked about before, I am big on female lead characters that are really interesting. And Lila is a very interesting character who is so much fun to read. And she's doing character growth through the issues and the, and the volumes, too. So you've got a lot of really interesting things going on with her. And like in, the, in years past, this probably would have been a guy doing it. And I'm always, I, I always love it when a book you know, goes this route and puts a female lead in there so i think and you handle it extremely well and so i'm i'm i i love to read those kinds of things i i really do love the character and how you're doing it well thanks again Pre- appreciate that and you know that there is method behind the madness you know there, there is reasons for it i mean uh, i didn't start out arbitrarily by saying hey you know what i think this would be great to have a female lead or, or whatever you know in fact uh, honestly I, I really tend to think of the series as more of an ensemble you know because we do have uh, other great characters like you know d Bain. he's kind of like the or at least was for a time the down and out uh, ex astronaut guy and you know genie who's the science chick and we have the kids you know rob and angelica that get into trouble all the time so i I tend to think of it as an ensemble but you know when i was creating the series uh those years ago now uh, i really didn't have anything preconceived in my head that said you know it's got to be a female or it's got to be a male or you know just kind of the way the character just kind of sprung from it and you know, there are reasons uh, given, you know, that you read about uh, as the series goes on uh, about, you know, why, you know, Lila, such as she is, you know, was a female from the beginning. I mean, you know, that there's there's a, a reason for that, you know, and it's it, it's logical, you know, it, it makes sense. So, you know, you, you buy into it rather than somebody who just made an arbitrary decision and, and said, you know, somewhere, hey, you know what, we really need to have a female lead in this. And I, I kind of, I tend to think, you know, because of uh, characters, they should have arcs, right, in in your series, especially mm-hmm. if you have an ensemble. So you mentioned one. I mean, you mentioned uh, Lila's arc is that she starts out kind of like a blank sheet of paper, and then she kind of grows from there. And the other characters have arcs as well, but it's, it's also how sort of those arcs are intertwined. And, you know, in the first story, you know, Astral Genesis, I tend to think of Devane as the lead character in that one. I mean, it's debatable. I mean, uh, Lila isn't even in it for like the first, I don't know, 30 pages or something like that, right? So mm-hmm. It starts off with Devane. But I, I think what you have is, and then it becomes an ensemble. But as the books go on, uh, you know, it, it, I think Lila starts to, you know, emerge from it. You know, and some people say, you know, she emerges as the lead character. Some people say she emerges as a lead character. Uh, I tend to think of Devane and Lila as being like co-leads maybe. And, and the, like Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. I mean, you could say uh, Kirk is the lead, but it's really the three of them, right? And so in this case, it's, it's more like the big two. Uh, that's how I think of it anyway. But it's very much an ensemble. I like to keep the, the interplay between the characters going. And if, if somebody asked me, who's your lead character? I don't know. I think it's a toss-up. I, I, it depends on which book you're talking about, and it depends on where they are in their character arc. Uh, it's debatable, you know, which I think is is a good thing. Well, if you ever watch the CW shows, they always have Team Flash, Team Arrow. They'll have a, a lead character, and then they'll have a support group. 
that that's going with them. And that's kind of how I look at this. But I, I, the reason I asked that question is I talked to Ron Randall and he does a series called Trekker. Trekker. Yeah. I know. I'm a big are, fan of Ron's. So yeah, I, sure. I love that. Well, I asked him once I said, I got to interview him for, uh, for the podcast. And I said to him, do you think that Trekker would be as popular if you had Lolo's many years ago when you developed it actually put a guy as the lead? And, you know, he kind of he, he thought about it for a second. He said, you know, I don't think it would. I think that Trekker having a female lead was kind of groundbreaking. It's kind of forward looking. And so I, I and that's why I was thinking with this. I still think this is a forward looking way to do it. Tell a story is to have the because the reason I say that is because I have read comics for decades now and you put a male character in the lead. I pretty much have a fair idea of what's going to happen. You know, they're going to be heroic. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. Certain situations, they're going to do this. But you put a woman as the lead character. I don't know. I literally sit there and go, now what? I don't know what's going to happen next. And I like that. I, I, you know, as long as I've been reading, I like it when I can't figure out what's going to happen next. And Lila is that way. I, I don't know what she's going to do next. And so that's why I consider her the lead because she's kind of the, the character that I'm following along through the story, but uh, I think that this was a really, uh, uh, I still see forward looking or, or, or future, you know, the future of comics, I think is going to be more female. And I think that this was a real uh, step in the right direction to do this character this way. And, you know, uh, from the very beginning, Astral has always been a character-based series, and that's kind of the way I, I came up with it. Uh, I really came up with the characters first, and then you know uh, the, the narrative kind of writes itself a little bit, you know, from the characters because you want to explore territory that would uh, make the characters, you know, uh, uh, act in certain ways and 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 be interesting, right? You, you want it to their reactions to you know your narrative to be interesting and the things that they do to be interesting to readers mm -hmm. but it's always been very much a, a character-based series and so once i got the characters down and knew who the characters uh were and, and and who i wanted them to be then it's kind of like okay now you can just kind of throw these situations at. So, so like for example you know astral genesis was a real challenge you know the, the first book because what, you know you're starting at ground zero right because everybody says you, you get people that are reading a lot of uh, a little sidebar here, uh, DC, Marvel, you know, everybody knows who Spider-Man is or everybody knows who Superman is. So it's not really that hard to get into the material. And people say, well, we want to read more indie comics, right? Well, mm -hmm. to, to, to get into more indie comics, you, you've got to, there's, there's a learning curve, right? Because right. if you're new to a series, especially indie, you're probably not going to know it, right? I mean, we, we don't have the multi-million dollar, hundred million dollar advertising campaigns that the big boys have. Mm -hmm. So it's always so, somewhat of a risk, you know, it, it's new characters. Am I going to like it? But it's like, you know, uh, we want new characters we want interesting characters we don't want the same old marvel and DC, dc stuff all the time but at the same time are you willing to make that investment of your time to get to, to know the characters okay and sidebar so here i am in astral genesis so it's a real challenge and i think the same thing uh same challenge has been experienced by most indie creators you know, that are probably listening right now to this podcast is that y your first story arc comic book graphic novel first four or five six comic books whatever your first story it's very difficult right it's, it's challenging because you not only have to introduce each character and 
I've got a bunch of characters. So it's an ensemble. You've got to introduce each character, you know, in your series, you got to, to the readers, you have to let them know who they are. You have to let, uh, situations happen uh, to them in the story so that your readers can see who they are and how they behave. Right. But at the same time, and you've got to introduce, we talked a little bit before about, you know, the astroverse, you've got to introduce the, the world in which these characters live, their universe. So all this has to be introduced. And at the same time, you have to somehow find some time in there somewhere to try to tell a story. Right. So, I mean, right. I, I, I like Astral Genesis because you're learning. It's a lot of learning about the characters, who they are and stuff. Uh, it's a little talky because you have to have some exposition to kind of let people know uh, how you're reacting to this or how the character is reacting to that or who they are, what's their backstory. It's a little, little more talky. Uh, and then maybe, you know, the story, you know, not so much wasn't able to put a whole lot into the story. can't be a super detailed story because you're spending so much time, you know, on your characters, especially in, in this case, a character-based series. But then we get to the later books like Evolution and Alliance, and now it, it that's the playground, right? Because I've already introduced the characters. Everyone who read Genesis knows who they are, uh, knows how they'll react to things. Uh, you, you feel you get to know them as people, remember, character-based. So now in Evolution, Alliance, and now Vengeance, we get to just toss them into these situations. And, and hey, it's like you, you were saying, it makes it interesting. Hey, what are they going to do? How are they going to react? That's what you want to know. That's what you want to read. That's why you want to read it. So that that's you know was was my challenge with the first one, and it is challenging as an indie creator to to introduce people to those characters and and get readers to get to know them, and at the same time their world, the world they're living and playing in, and tell a story. But then after that, you get to have the real fun. So that's what we're doing now is we're just having a lot of fun with them, and and that's where uh, we're now expanding, and and we can get into that later. But uh, I've recently made a decision to expand our Astroverse, so we can talk about some of those projects coming yeah. down the pipe. Well, one of the things that I love in a comic is world building, as I call it, and I think you do have done a great job of that. I, I if you read a Marvel book, all the, almost all the Marvel books take place in New York City. The world is existing there, and they don't have to do much in the way of that. They just have to throw characters into that situation. But for me, I like to see something in an entirely new situation. I've read a lot of, of, of books, and I, I, you know, I, I enjoy seeing those things. But to me, like what you're doing, and we're still unfolding the Astroverse. This one, you've got a whole new set of circumstances that we're dealing with. I like that. I like to go places I've never been before. I don't want to go to the same place anymore. I don't want to keep going to New York City, although I am going to go to New York City. <laughs> but I, I don't want to, in my comics, I don't want everybody to be on Yancey Street or be, you know, the same old, same old. I want to see a different universe with different rules and different people. And that's one of the things I really enjoy about the Astroverse is I can go somewhere new and I, I, I happy, happily go and explore it with you. And that's why it's a patron to me. I like to see that. Not only do I not know what that Lila is going to do, I don't know what the universe is going to be like. And I like that. I'm, that's great. Well, and that's one of the rules I've always had, uh, Wayne, is that, you know, as we go forward with Astral and as the series uh, continues and, and evolves and the characters evolve, uh, the rule is we don't ever do the same thing twice, right? So, I mean, we're always going to new places. We're always doing new things. The characters are always changing, right? So that's one of the things that you'll see in uh, – well, let me see. Uh, I mean, definitely in evolution, more so alliance, and then I think even more so now in vengeance. Uh, uh, 
it's like tossing a salad, right? It's, it's never the same, uh, no matter how many times we do it. And so it's a mm-hmm. different combination of characters in different situations. And, and we never uh, repeat the same settings. Uh, it's always a different kind of setting. Uh, that's not to say, you know, we don't ever see, like we started off, I think, one scene in, in Genesis in Devane's apartment. That's not to say we never go back to Devane's apartment, but it's always got to be under uh, different circumstances. And, and I always try to keep uh, the scenery changing, you know, the locations changing. It's, it's always got to be. And then that way, you know, it gives your characters more to do because they get to react to situations and, and locations and, and uh, interactions, uh, different combinations of characters that they never have before. And that's where we have the fun. And that's where you as the readers get to learn more about them because you see how they react in those situations, right? So. And we get to go to places that we've never been before, too. Absolutely. And let me say, I mean, and, and one of my goals is consistency. So if anyone has listened uh, thus far in the podcast, congratulations. Because <laughs> I'm going to talk about some <laughs> some uh, story architecting type stuff now. Now we get into the sort of the more technical details. So we've had three uh, TPBs, you know, three graphic novels, and we're halfway or almost halfway into a, into a third. But it's, you know, my goal is to make it a very rewarding experience for my readers. So if you pay careful attention, you'll see that there are some threads that begin in Genesis that don't pay off in Genesis. Some of them pay off in Astral Evolution, which is the second one. Some of them pay off in Astral Alliance. Some of them are paying off now in Vengeance. Um, we set up characters. We talk about characters in the first one that maybe aren't seen until the second or third one. Uh, we... Uh, we introduce different, I don't know, variations on characters. Uh, so you've maybe, you think you know how a character has behaved through the first two, uh, two adventures, two stories. And then like in the third one, we give that character a, a completely different twist. So part of it is consistency. Part of it is uh, continuity. Uh, part of it is uh, working threads, you know, knowing where your story is going, being able to work threads in throughout the, the, the narrative across many different books. And so if, if I know where I'm going with it in the fifth and sixth adventures, if I know where it's going to end up, I can start introducing seeds for those things in the stories that you're reading right now. So that's why, you know, I believe that, you know, the, the work that I'm doing on this astral series and, and my team is doing on this series is, is very rewarding for readers because you'll stumble upon a situation in one of the books now or, or maybe a little bit in the future, and you say, wait a minute, I thought I remembered something about that being mentioned earlier. Oh, hey, you know what? I remember they talked about this character before. Or, oh, yeah, you know, we saw that character. At the, you know, and so it, it pays off. You know, there's a, a rewarding payoff that, that I think uh, is, is something that uh, uh, makes it very satisfying for, uh, for my audience uh, to go through these books. I think the terminology for that is foreshadowing. Is the word that they use for that? No, I don't know these technical terms. You know, I yeah. just work here, man. <laughs> well, that's, well, that's what people. Uh, one of my friends, who's a, a big writer, always talks about how the importance of foreshadowing. Something shouldn't just pop out of nowhere and hit you in the face. It should be. They should be setting things up ahead of time, so that it does. When you're going to go, oh, that's why that happened. 
that that's the kind of stuff I love. So I, and there's a lot of that in here, which is great. Yeah, foreshadowing, uh, setup and payoff, you know, these, mm-hmm. these kinds of things. And so, uh, and really, you know, uh, as a storyteller, and, and that's what we are, you know, you talk about television, you, know, you talk about movie series, what do they call them? They're called showrunners. Well, we're, we're not that, you know, the, us creators that, that you know, uh, have created these, you know, independent or creator-owned series. I mean, I, I think of it as, you know, we're, 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 we're storytellers, but we're really also we're showrunners. I mean, we're, I'm a showrunner, so I want to make my show as appealing as I can for the audience, which isn't people going to the movies or it's not people watching TV, but it's people reading the books. Well, hopefully, maybe someday it will be movies and TV. I, I would love that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was, that was going to be my next thing. I was going to say, some, this, this should be on television. But One I mean, another. you've got – so for each of the graphic novels, uh, the way a good storyteller works it and the way I've worked it through the series is – there are threads that start and conclude, you know, within that one book. And then there are some threads that continue in the next one or conclude in the next one. And then some that take the first three books to conclude. So it's a matter of having your threads, knowing where they're going, but at the same time, making sure that each one of these graphic novels, at least for the first three, anyway, each of these stories, these adventures has a beginning, a middle and an end. And it it is satisfying to a reader in and of itself as a single graphic novel. So, you know, you're not left on a cliffhanger. You're not left uh, hanging on anything. It's a self-contained story with threads that span not only the trilogy, not only the, the uh, up to book number six, but all the way out to, I, I think I've got nine of these things planned. So there Ooh, are some wow. threads that run three, you know, the first trilogy, some that run the second trilogy, some that run the third trilogy, and some that run all nine. So it, it's a matter of knowing the entire picture in your head and knowing which threads to introduce where and, and keep the whole thing. And you know, my head's completely disorganized, but uh, I have to have some level, obviously, of, of organization there. But uh but well, that's, that's how you do it. But each story has to be satisfying in and of itself. And that's something that you can't forget, right? You see, can't forget see, I, I can't – I compare this to driving a car. If you want to get in a car and just sort of meander around and have nowhere to go, it's not going to be all that satisfying to me. Yeah, I might run into some stuff I wish I had known sooner, but I might not. To me, when I get in a car, I know where I'm going. I have a mission to accomplish. And then I get back home. I'm not going to drive all over the place and waste my, my gas on, and run through neighborhoods. I have no idea why I would ever go back there again. So for me, this is I consider this like, like driving a car. You, you've got some place to go. Let's get there. You can feel it when, when somebody knows where they're going and they're leading you down that road. And that, that's what I, I feel in your book. I, I always feel I may not know where we're going, but I know we're going somewhere and it's important to pay attention. Well, thanks again. I I really do appreciate that. And, you know, one of the things I learned along the way, too, is uh, sometimes you think of really cool stuff that you can do, but you just like a scene or, you know, an event that could happen, and it would be really cool to put your characters into that. And you just go, no, I I just can't do it in this narrative, or I don't have enough pages. I I can't fit it in. So uh, there are, in fact, believe it or not, this does exist. I will confirm for anyone who's still listening to us this far in the podcast. I'll confirm. There are actually deleted scenes, deleted pages from uh, Astral Genesis that uh, we did and that got produced but couldn't fit, you know, into the – to the final book and and one day i don't know maybe the 10th anniversary or something will come out with a special edition that restores all those pages but you know talking about uh, 
you know, universes, uh, you know, in universe expansion, everybody talks about, well, I want to create a universe. I don't just want to create a comic book series. Uh, I want to create an entire universe. And so how do I do that? Well, here's the way I want to set up my universe. Da, da, da. Well, I found, you know, a, a more constructive approach to figuring out what your universe should be is you're going to think about a lot of stuff that you can't get into your, maybe your main narrative, right? So you get the stuff that's hanging out there. That's great, but you can't use it. And I've found that, that that material actually makes uh, really good uh, ammunition for expanding your universe. And so I got these things that I wish we could have done so far along the way in the astral series uh, and just couldn't fit it in either because it just didn't fit with the narrative we were doing or because we just didn't have enough pages to get it in and we just still can't get it in. And I found that we can actually use that material, or at least some of that material, in other uh, series within the same Astroverse, right, which can be in the future, could be in the past, can be like what they call you know a sidequel meaning it's going on at the same time but instead of right here it's over there you know mm -hmm. so that's one of the things i've been thinking about doing lately and just uh, had actually recently announced uh to my fan base uh through my astral connections uh updates and communications i do an email like a sort of like a newsletter thing uh that we are going to expand uh, and my intention is to expand so i've, I've been thinking about how we uh mm -hmm use that material and sort of convert it or mold it into these other series uh, that, that I'm thinking of. of like uh, one shots or mini series, how are you going to do that? Well, and you know, this is, this is a good question because one of the things, for example, I just go back because a lot of people read DC and Marvel and may not know so much about the Indies, but so you have Superman, Spider-Man, whatever. Well, you know, uh, obviously, even within those really long runs, I mean, we're talking decade, multi-decade runs for Superman, Spider-Man. Even within uh, those runs, uh, you have sort of, you know, like when a new artist or a writer takes it over, they, they want to draw a line over everything that's been done before. John Byrne likes to do that a lot. Okay, <laughs> now he's doing his stuff. Uh, well, it's, it's kind of like that in the sense that uh, – these other areas that I'm thinking about, you know, expanding the, the, the Astroverse into uh, would be sort of, you know, off into their own little, uh, you know, separate, uh, but, you know, related into the main narrative, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, different timelines, uh, like I said, future past, uh, maybe even going on at the same time, but, you know, uh, not crossing over, you know, so much. I don't know. Am, am I mm -hmm. making sense? Is am I yeah. answering your question? Oh yeah. Is I I know. Are you going to do them in after a volume gets done? Are you going to do them like in between volumes or while the volumes are going on? Are you going to use the same art team? Are you going to do different art teams? How are you going to? Yeah, yeah that, that's those are all good questions. Uh, the answer is <laughs> at the levels of development I'm on right now, I really don't know. But you know, again, if we just go back to the example, so like John Byrne did a, a stint on uh, Superman and on also on the Fantastic Four, uh, if I'm remembering right. And so within those runs, <clears throat> you know, his characters, uh, his Superman character and his Fantastic Four characters, they had their own adventures they had their own arcs right 
Well, that's the way I tend to think of it. So when you run a character for a really, really long time, it starts to get old and you start to have rehashes. So like, for example, I've been talking about for a while that the Astroverse and the characters that inhabit it, it's a very character-based thing. So, you know, it's one of those things where you don't want to overwork it, right? So we have the Astral Main series, which is the one we've been talking about. Well, I think it's satisfying if those characters, you know, they have their arcs, the stories have a beginning, a middle, and an end, and the series has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And I mean, even though we're maybe only about halfway through that, at some point, you're going to run out of material for Lila. You're going to run out of material for Duvain. And continuing to write stories, the, the same types of stories about their characters, gets old. And that's where people you know, uh, lose attention, you lose audience. Uh, people think it gets stale, it gets boring, because mm-hmm. their, their character arcs have concluded. You're not really able to explore any new material with them. So I, that's kind of where I'm going with it. So uh, you know, the main Astral series will have an end to it. The characters you know, will, ha- will complete their arcs. They'll have an end one way or the other, right? But then these other series is where it gets interesting. So as we branch out uh, with you know, some new characters, uh, some, I don't know what they call, you know, t- today I guess it's called legacy characters. So that's one thing that's people have asked me about these new series in the Astroverse. Will we see any of the mainstream Astral series characters in them? And the answer is yes, you know, you will, there will be some crossovers. Uh, but in terms of like character arcs, you wouldn't be looking at those legacy characters for a character arc because their character arc is done or it's, you know, more the focus of the main astral series. Mm-hmm. And what we'd be seeing in those other series, whether it's past, future, cycles, whatever, is maybe a new set of characters. Uh, and then we're seeing those arcs. So it's really about that. It, it's about quality storytelling by making sure that we're not overdoing the characters and that we're able to give those characters just like the stories, a beginning, a middle, and an end to their arcs, but being able to uh, tell more stories in the same universe, just you know, with different characters and different situations and different time periods, keeping it fresh. And that's the whole thing, right? Quality, keeping it fresh. Mm-hmm. And I really think that the audiences, the readers, are going to enjoy these new uh, stories set in the same universe and maybe kicked off or checked in every now and then uh, with the legacy characters, which, you know, keeps you happy. But at the same time, we're meeting new characters, learning about new characters, new characters in newer situations, and characters with character arcs that maybe we haven't seen before. You know, new stuff. That's what it's all about, Wayne. Yeah, I agree with that. I I love, uh, when there's a universe that's interesting to me, I want to see more of it. So I, li- I like the idea of going other places and other characters and stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to that. I think that's a great idea. Sure. I mean, for example, just tell you one. So one that's actually, uh, it's already, uh, we've had, I've announced it to the fan base, but there's also uh, like a a preview, a sneak preview ad that's uh, on one of the pages of the uh, Vengeance number one comic. So that's this new series uh, that I've announced called Reawakening 2525. We, we haven't talked about that one before. I've just done the, I don't know if you've seen it. It's the one page ad. It's got a character on it with fire in the background. And mm-hmm. uh, so what it's about is, you know, I've set that one 500 years in the future. So hence the 2525. And so it's a very different future, you know, uh, maybe for good measure, a couple of legacy characters thrown in, but a bunch of new characters. So I'm working on that right now. And then like, for example, another one is, uh, galaxy gal right so galaxy gal is 
the right. comic within a comic within Astroverse, right? So that's a comic book that some of the characters in the Astroverse uh, have read. And wouldn't it be fun to, you know, work on a, a real, you know, it's a real within the context, <laughs> right? A real Galaxy right. Gal comic. So I'm working on that project as well. And that's even more fun because, you know, Galaxy Gal, the characters in the comic know their comic book characters. So we can do more comic book character toonie type stuff, stuff that I can't do that I wish I could have done in the main series, but can't do. So there's a good example of how it's different. 2525, obviously that's a, will be a, more of a space-based series in the far future. So again, very different. So these are just examples of how we can kind of trade off some of the same characters in the Astroverse, uh, some of the legacy characters that everyone has grown to love, but at the same time, we're doing new things. We're into new material in you know, different areas, and I think people are going to enjoy that. So. And if something takes off, you could always continue on with that story in that setting. Oh, absolutely. In fact, uh, the reawakening 2525 is already uh, – uh, I've got five issues of that. So issues one through five are planned on that one. Uh Galaxy Gal, we're going to try her out, see how that one does, but I could definitely see those would be more like self-contained stories, I think. Galaxy Gal, more episodic, like mm-hmm. a comic book you, you would expect to be. Reawakening 2525 has a five-issue arc on it already, so I think you know we commit to one. Hopefully, we're committing to, to all five of them because I'd like to see the entire story anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there's some other ones, too, like uh, I can spin off uh, – a series much like they do on TV with different characters. So a lot of people remember that in my story, we sort of have the men in black, which our version is called uh, the agents of AXE acts. So one of the spinoffs I was looking at uh, within the Astroverse is spinning off some of the uh, AXE acts agents, you know, into their own comic. And what can we do with that? I mean, what, what can we do that we haven't seen in men in black or the X files, you know, and how, how can, that how can all of these things that i've been talking about connect like puzzle pieces into the main astral narrative so that's Mm. always fun Mm -hmm. so so that's what i'm thinking of sounds great oh wow there's all kinds of good stuff now what if somebody wants to get on and be part of that group that that you mentioned where you give out this information how do they do that oh well uh, i mean primarily uh uh i've just been reaching out to some of the people that have been pledging on our uh, Kickstarters and at uh, conventions as well. Uh, all it takes is a name and email address. Uh, but uh, so, I mean, if I'm obviously we're not here at a convention and, you know, uh, I'm not emailing people already uh, on a crowdfunder at this point, but if anybody wants to get plugged into that, just shoot me an email this is the best way. And uh, my email is really difficult. Okay. It's really hard. It's jmagnum at petpiranhaentertainment.com. I know that's really hard, but <laughs> and make sure you spell piranha right. There's an H in piranha. You know, uh, going back, you know, when I created Pet Piranha, I'm like, should I do a piranha, you know? And I'm like, yeah, that would be cool because, you know, can't do Pet Shark. That's already taken, but nobody has Pet Piranha. So, hey, it's, that, that'd be pretty neat, right? And, and then I go, oh, my God, I, most people can't spell Piranha. <laughs> and now I'm killing myself. It's too late now. It's been like, you know, 10 years. And But, yeah, so uh, make sure you spell Piranha right. But it's uh, jmagnum at petpiranhaentertainment.com. And just shoot me an email and say, hey, Jay, I'd like to catch up on your astral adventures. Uh, put me on Astral Connections, and I'll add you right in and uh, – 
you'll start getting them. I, I don't spam people or anything like that. I don't send ads or sell emails. Uh, email privacy is very important to me. So I, I do not distribute or, or sell email. And I, uh, I send updates about once a month, although during Kickstarters, it's a little more frequent because you're trying to get the word out on the Kickstarter on the crowdfunders. We also do Indiegogo. So like once the Kickstarter ends, I'll have an Indiegogo campaign for the same thing. Uh, issue two vengeance will run for about a month. Uh, but it's about once a month, so it's not too intrusive. I'm not going to like spam your your inbox or anything like that. But uh, there is exclusive content in there. Like I said, the stuff that we're talking about here at the Astroverse, all that was announced uh, in my email distribution. So you know, a couple of months back. So if you were on that Astro Connections distribution, you, you would probably already know about that by now. So that's I always try to keep my peeps in the know on all the new Astro stuff. So okay. There's definitely perks to joining. Yeah. Now, once again, uh, this project will be funded, and it's a five thousand dollar goal, and you're well on the way mm-hmm. to get there. Uh, if you reach this, reach your goal by Friday, October fourteenth at eleven p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, mm-hmm. so that's good to see. So I, I, I'm expecting this to be as success as the other ones have been. Oh, yeah. um, I, there's one other subject, and you touched on it a little bit that I wanted to talk with you about, sure. and that has to do with conventions. Because I met you first at a convention. I came across your material. And then, of course, with the, the pandemic and stuff, people have not been going to conventions. And as I, uh, as I told you uh, before we started recording, my roommate went to a convention, came back, and gave the whole house uh, COVID just a few weeks ago. So COVID, the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, the wonderful thing. <laughs> it just, and it never stops. So even though I test negative, I'm still a little tired. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, Wayne. I, I thought the president said the pandemic's over. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say Did anyone anything. tell the pandemic that? Nobody told COVID it's over, right? Well, the White House has to come out and correct that, I think. But uh, that's, oh, you're right. But anyway, but you've been going to conventions because you were at the Daytona Beach Comic Con. Oh, yeah, yeah. So t- talk to me about that. What was it that happened that made you decide to go back to conventions? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, everything just kind of opened back up. So let's just recap real quick, and that will help me kind of think through all this. Uh, so we were, we were happily on our way doing conventions until – Gosh, I want to say, I'm trying to think of the last one I did before, you know, the pandemic. I think I had done, I did D-Land uh, Comic-Con in January of 2020. And then I did Space Coast Comic-Con in March, no, February 2020. And then I did Lake City Infinity Con in March of 2020. And that was the one where the lockdowns were like just starting to happen. Like states were starting to lock everything down. Businesses were locking down. And we weren't even sure if we were going to be able to do that con. We didn't know if it was going to be canceled. But we just snuck that one in under the wire. I mean, that was literally the last. And I was getting worried because, you know, you don't know. At the time, no one knew. Who knew, right? Who knew what it was going to be, right? Right. We thought it was going to be like the next Black Plague, right? Who knew? So we we were kind of scared, not sure, you know, about that. We're kind of iffy. But we did it, and I I didn't hear about anyone getting sick. I think it was spreading kind of at that time. But Lake City is kind of isolated, so, you know, it wasn't that bad. So, yeah, and we snuck that one in under the radar, and then right after that, that's when everything went bam, locked down. So like most of the conventions after that got canceled or they were, you know, quote, air quotes here, 
postponing, right? But we all right. know what happened with that. I mean, they got postponed six months, and then they were either canceled or postponed another six months. Mm-hmm. So there was a, a stint there, and I think you, I mean, all of us, you yourself as well, went through the same thing where, uh, you know, we didn't do cons for a while, either because they were canceled, they just weren't being put on, or, you know, we canceled out of them, or our states locked it down, and they were doing them virtual. You know, they're doing Zooms, right. and everyone's right. doing online, and two varying degrees of success. When did they actually start coming back? Uh, I want to say maybe like beginning of this year, I started to notice that uh, more and more were starting to get scheduled again. And so we did January, we did Deland again. Uh, and then I, I started ramping up. So I didn't do too many through the spring and then more in the fall. So like in the fall, I've just had a couple uh, more that I've done uh, just, just recently. Um, so I was just at uh, Ancient City Con in St. Augustine. Uh, I was at Daytona Beach Comic Con, uh, as you said, uh, and, and uh, a few others uh, prior to that. But I don't think I have anything now. Again, I think I'm off for the rest of the year until uh, January uh, when we do the land again. But, but what started back up? I don't know. I guess, you know, people aren't as concerned. I mean, obviously I'll tell you what I saw. I mean, when I was at uh, these last couple of conventions, I hardly saw anybody wearing masks. I mean, you see it a little bit when you go out now, I didn't see a whole lot of it. I think maybe people, you know, people got their, um, you know, vaccines. I mean, they're not concerned. They got the vaccines. It would seem that to some degree it's more under control. People aren't as afraid. So the organizers are spinning them back up again. And, you know, I, I haven't been afraid to, uh, you know, book them. And so I'm kind of getting my feet wet just like everybody else kind of getting back into it. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that it normalizes, that we get back to normal. But as so many people have said, I don't know that, the, you know, the again, air quotes, the normal that we had prior to covid is ever going to come back a hundred percent. We, we may get pretty close, but it may never be a hundred percent normal again. You know, I don't know, but, but I think, you know, people aren't afraid to do the cons and I, I'm certainly starting to you know, try to, to book, you know, more cons at, at this point. So I'll, I'll be at some more uh, next year for sure. Yeah. I remember when the, the pandemic hit in force, I was supposed to go to Emerald city comic con out in Seattle and at the last minute they canceled it. And so we couldn't go. And from then on, it was no. And I, I have to say, the virtual cons didn't do much for me. Yeah, a lot of people said the same thing. You know, you went to the, uh, 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 there was a San Diego virtual con. And I went out there, and they had a bunch of the the, the dealers and stuff. But all it did was take them to, you went to their website. And I can do that without the con. I don't yeah. necessarily do that. So I was I, I was discouraged with that. And then, of course, DC did their fandom uh, virtual stuff, yeah, yeah, which right. they decided not to do this year because of all the stuff. Which mm-hmm. leads me to, I'm going to get to go to New York Comic Con. i got a press pass. Oh, wow. All right. Congratulations. My, my, Good for you, man. My very favorite. I, I, I love San Diego, and I love Dragon Con are some of my favorites. But the one I love the most is New York because you can basically find almost anything out there. And I love their Artist Alley. I, we've been in Artist Alley a couple of times. This time I'm not going to get to go in there. But we have sold through stuff like crazy. Like I've never sold so many as we did in New York. Uh, and the great thing about it was even the beat-up ones, the, 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 look, the viewer copies, people wanted to buy those. We want to buy those too. How much is that? Uh, yeah. you, you want to buy that? It's yeah. in beat up condition. And like a hundred people looked at it. We don't care. We'll buy it. Yeah. And, and we were like, 
yeah, we like this place. So, um, you know, this year we're not going to get to do that. Hopefully next year we'll be back in Artist Alley. But uh, cool. We almost got in there this year, but uh, last minute they said no. But uh, we're going to get in there. Yeah, I remember there was a time, just real briefly, um, it, it, you know, before the, the pandemic hit. And I was doing, I was maxed out, you know, on conventions. And uh, my convention partner, also my executive producer, uh, Lauren Lee, and I'm calling Lauren and I'm going, we got a convention this weekend, right? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, which one is it? Where are we going? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> and I want to I want to get back to that where I'm doing so many of them that I don't even know which one. What, what did I do? I can't remember where I was last week. And I don't, I don't remember where I'm going this weekend. I, I know I'm going to a con, but I don't know where it is. I don't know which con it is. And it's so I, much- I know – it's so much fun though to have that contact with fans. Oh yeah, talk yeah, I, with them. It, yeah. It's I nice. miss that. And, you know, I do too. Yeah. There's so many things that we I learned and so many things that I, I experienced at cons because I, I get to go and meet new people for the podcast as well. But I, so many times there's so many things that I came back going like, wow, you know, we, I get to meet people and we we have you know as as groups or individuals meet people and then we you know uh i'll give an example we went to megacon recently and we were kind of thinking oh man it's been so long nobody's going to even remember us you know they've moved on and we kept running into people saying there you are we've been looking for you we want to do more of your stuff we want to be on your podcast we want to work on such a comic with you and we were like we came out going like wow they remembered us we couldn't believe it so it, it's great stuff. To, I'm really looking forward to New York because uh, that, that like I said, that Artist Alley is like no other Artist Alley in the world. It, it's so amazing in there. Oh, yeah, so, I can imagine. Yeah. So is, have you ever been to New York? I, I have not. I've hmm. not been up there. I also haven't been out to SDCC. And, <sighs> you know, the main reason for that is just cost. I mean, I, yeah. and, and even to, I mean, I would probably want to try to exhibit and I mean, you have to apply. I mean, I, I probably, yeah. can, a lot of the artists and, and creators that I know that are probably uh, some level above me sometimes can't even get in. So mm. I haven't really spent a lot of time <laughs> on that, but, but I totally agree with you. I, I love the fan interactions and talking with people. And I, I missed that during the pandemic and I'm so glad that we get to do that now. I, I really enjoy hearing from uh, our friends and fans of Astral. So uh, definitely uh, enjoy seeing people at the cons and, and, and hope to do more in the future. Well, let's hope the things continue to improve and we get to do many more cons. I, I, I'm with you. I like to go. If I can go like two or three conventions a month, I'm a happy guy. Yeah. So yeah I love sure. that stuff. Uh, so once again, it's Astro Vengeance on Kickstarter, issues number one to two, sci-fi action, horror, thriller, and it'll be funded if it reaches its goal by Friday, October 14 at 11 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. So don't wait. Now is your time to get out there and support this wonderful project so we can get lots more. Because as you can tell, Jay's got a lot in mind, so we want to get all that good stuff. So keep so it up, Jay. Sure, shameless plug. Shameless yeah, of plug. course. Uh, of help course. us reach the goal. Yes. Uh, please, please visit our, our Kickstarter campaign and pledge, and, and we'll be on Indiegogo uh, right after that between uh, October and November as well. So if you're an Indiegogo person, you can wait for the Indiegogo. Uh, if you're Kickstarter, we would appreciate your pledge by October 14th. But uh, sorry, shameless plug there, my friend. That's all right. Don't <laughs> wait. Don't wait until the people wait until till too late and then they forget and miss. So don't do that. Go as soon as you get done with this, please go ahead and get out there and support Jay and his good I, stuff. I try to remind him. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds good.
And that's it for this week. Be back next time. We'll have another great interview with another terrific comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics.